yo, my mom's my watching this show. My dad's watching this show. I need to make sure that they, they can see me shining good. You know? They've done a fantastic job. Your mother would be very proud. You're very well moisturized. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm Karama, a.k.a. The Blur Girl, and this is The Blur Girl Podcast. It's the holidays. Yay! I'm pretending to be way happier than I am about this. <laughs> Not because I hate the holidays, but because there's so much going on. But even if you take out, like, the shopping and the traveling and the family members and all the people that you have to get gifts for that you just don't like... We've got like tons and tons of uh, movies and comics and all kinds of everything happened at the beginning of the year. It doesn't seem strange that Black Panther was the beginning of this year. Solo was earlier also, but it, it's kind of been quiet since. But now all of the movies are coming out and all of the comics are dropping. So we've got Aquaman, Bumblebee, Mary Poppins, Moral Engines, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and by the way, I'm super excited about Peter Porker. If you don't know who he is, Google him, please. You will not be sorry. There's also a ton of Spider-Man comics coming out too. And speaking of comics, Livewire is coming out. Um, Ironheart is here. Uh, and there's a few more indie gems. So there's a bunch of shows that are coming back. We've got premieres, including The Runaways on the 21st. Life Size 2. I did not know. I forgot about Life Size 1 and Tyra. That's just, I'm confused, but it's happening. There's a new show starting this Sunday, December 2nd. The sci-fi thriller Night Flyers, based on George R.R. R. Martin's novella of the same name. And I got a chance to talk to actor David Ajala, who stars as Captain Roy Harris. So, welcome to the Blur Girl Podcast Holiday Edition. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Now, Audible is offering listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership just for listening to the Blur Girl podcast. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. That's audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs that they have to offer. You can download a title for free and just start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash theblurredgirl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-G-G-U-R-L to get started today. Now, why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And if you're anything like me, you're busy. Audible makes it incredibly easy to catch up on books while I'm commuting, cleaning the house, working out, driving, whatever. It just makes multitasking easy. Now, if I were you, I would totally take advantage of the 30-day free trial and download a book or two that you've been meaning to read. Looking for suggestions? Well, I would definitely check out Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose Older and the follow-up to that book, Shadow House Falls. Both are incredible fantasy books and they are narrated by actress and singer Anika Noni Rose and she sounds amazing. It's really, really good. I listened to both of those books on an out-of-state road trip, and it made the time just fly by. Get started with Audible today. They've got a really simple app to use so you can literally listen from anywhere. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash theblurredgirl for your free audiobook. Okay, so as usual, we're gonna get started talking tech real quick, but I'll keep it short. 
So according to TechCrunch on Black Friday, that's the day after Thanksgiving where a lot of us go shopping here in the States, for those of you international listeners, stores and companies made a lot of money that day, but not retail stores. It was big for apps, meaning more people bought items through apps, read Amazon, than in any previous Black Friday sales year or Cyber Monday sales year. So according to Sensor Tower, the combined consumer spending across the U.S. Apple App Store and Google Play on Black Friday 2018 reached $75.9 million, a record for the most ever spent in a single day on both stores. That's kind of epic. It's also the other reason why I don't leave my house. Next up is Facebook. Now, did you know you could actually watch original scripted content TV on Facebook? I did, but I ain't watched nothing yet. Anyway, Facebook is now going to start streaming the Whedonverse. So basically, all of Joss Whedon's shows from like the 90s. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and the original Firefly in the proper order, damn it. So for all of you tired of hearing your parents talk about Buffy, <laughs> or all of you people like who saw it and missed it, like me, creep back over to Facebook and get caught up. Now in not so amazing tech news. Uh, Marriott revealed this week that its Starwood reservation system was breached. Basically, this left more than 500 million guest information vulnerable to hackers. The hospitality giant said guests' personal information, including payment information, name, address, phone number, and date of birth, have potentially been exposed. And it's rumored that parts of the reservation system might have been vulnerable since 2014. Ouch. Shout out to Afrotech for that story. Not a good look, Marriott. Now shifting gears a little bit to entertainment. There's like, I don't know, 20, 30 movies coming out this season and I'm not sure how I'm gonna review or see them all, but here's my list really quick. So get a pen, you're gonna wanna jot some of these down. Uh, first up on the 14th, December 14th, here in the States, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Mortal Engines drop. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is got if you haven't seen the trailer yet you have to go check it out it's got all the spider-man in it it's got peter miles gwen peter porker i mean it's got so many different versions and they're all coming from different realities basically that's what you want to see mortal engines comes out that same day now i've seen two trailers for this movie i still don't know what it's about it seems it's really weird it looks like lord of the rings meets terry pratchett but i will let you guys tell me what you think. Um, on the 19th is Mary Poppins, which, okay, Mary Poppins. There's a reason you see this movie, okay? And Lin-Manuel Miranda is one of those reasons. But I heard it's also fantastic and very, very fun. Now, the 21st, because it's the last Friday before Christmas, there's a lot of stuff going on. But I, I will start with the movies. So, of course, Aquaman. Aquaman is coming this is what everybody, the DC movie of the year that everybody's been waiting for. I'm excited. I have stopped looking at trailers and reading about it because now I want to be surprised. Like, I don't want to keep trying to learn too much about this movie. The other movie that's coming out on the 21st is Bumblebee. And I am super excited for this movie because I have never been thrilled with Michael Bay's version of the Transformers. This is a reboot. It looks like it's going to be amazing. And they are going back to the, for those of you who remember the toys, they are going back to the Gen 1 versions of Transformers. So the really boxy looking Optimus Prime and also in the original animated series, Autobots roll, Decepticons fly. And they are sticking to that. And I know that's something that's small, but it makes the, my little 
12 year old geek girl heart sing because it's little things like that. But you know what else makes my geek girl heart sing? Angela Bassett, because Angela Bassett is a transformer. I got to see Angela Bassett as the queen mother of Wakanda at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the year, I get to see her as a transformer. I know she's a Decepticon. I do not care. Um, and for those of you who are confused, she is one of the new Decepticons called Shatter. And But you hear her voice in the trailer. She's the Red Plymouth. And I'm telling you, I am telling you, Angela Bassett is goals, okay? Besides acting, besides writing, besides being an, an amazing speaker, an amazing person, this woman looks better at 60 than most people do at 32, okay? So that is my moment for Angela Bassett. Thank you very much. Hey folks, just jumping in real quick to see if you know about the Blurred Girls shop on TeePublic. In there I had tees, totes, sweatshirts, mugs, even onesies, and some really great sayings and quotes. All the proceeds of the purchases go towards support of this here podcast, as well as operation fees. So please, if you support this podcast, the site, and the Blurred Girl channel, please purchase from the store. There's two ways to get there. One is to go to theblurredgirl.com slash store on my website, and you can also check us out on Instagram by following the Blur Girl Shop. I have an app set up right inside of Instagram so you can shop right from the app itself and it will take you to the store. You can buy whatever you want. So I appreciate the support. Now, back to the show. Next up, I'm gonna slide on over to comics real quick because there's a lot of comics. There's always annuals that come out at the end of the year. There's a new Miles Morales comic that is coming out the first week of December, written by Saladin Ahmed. I love Saladin. He's a very sweet person. I got to interview him for sci-fi for his indie book, Abbott, which if you haven't picked it up, it's available in trade. Go get it. There's also a Spider-Geddon coming and a Ghost Spider, Spider-Gwen. Marvel is not playing with the marketing around Spider-Man. Other comics that you need to pick up are The New Iron Heart featuring Riri Williams. And that one is written by Eve Ewing. She's done an amazing job with that comic. And it's so funny how many people are like, she's a poet. What she keep, could she possibly know about geekdom? It is very clear from her writing that she's a geek girl at heart and she is a Star Trek fan. And there's all, all kinds of things that are in this book that are so amazing. Um, and also the art by Kevin LaBranda and Luciana Vecchio. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing those right. It's amazing as well. Other thing you got to pick up, Shuri by Nettie Okorafor. Honestly, just pick up everything by Nettie Okorafor. <laughs> like, all of her books, Binti, all of those. And then while you're at it, if you're looking for some other sci-fi to read, somebody else you should obviously pick up is N.K. Jemisin. N.K. Jemisin keeps winning. She's won three Hugos in a, in a row. With, um, and all of the books are part of her Broken Earth series. All of them. The Fifth Season, Obelisk Gate, Stone Sky. But I also just got a book from um, her. It literally just came in the mail. Um, called How Long Till Black Future Month, and it's an anthology, and I cannot wait to read that either. There's a lot of things that you can buy this season and get your hands on this season to take your mind off the fact that you have to buy all these gifts for all these people that you don't necessarily like. Now, TV. There's a few more things happening. There's been some cancellations. Daredevil now joins Luke Cage and Iron Fist being canceled. I'm just going to call it. I know Jessica Jones is going to be next. I don't care what y'all say. Um, and obviously Punisher. It could be that Netflix wants all their own original content. It could be because Disney wants all of their stuff back. They want all their toys back. But Netflix is really making big moves. Like they had a very successful run with Castlevania. They've got several successful anime and animated series. 
They are bringing Neon Genesis Evangelion to, and if you are not an anime fan, that's okay. You could look that up. But they're bringing that to the streaming service in 2019. They are bringing a live action Cowboy Bebop to the service in 2019. Now, I am excited, but I'm nervous. I'm excited in that the live action version of Bleach was great because all Netflix did was produce it and release it. They didn't direct it. They didn't put, your, put their fingers in it. They didn't let anybody American touch it. Not so much was the case for Death Note, which I'm just going to act like didn't happen because Death Note is one of my favorite mangas and animes, and they destroyed it. I'm going to wait till this comes out. I'm excited that they're putting money behind it, but I want to see who's directing. I want to see who's starring. No Doctor Who Christmas special this year. There's going to be a New Year special, which is weird. Runaway Season 2 returns on the 21st. Told you, 21st is going to be a busy day. That Friday, don't call me. And then starting this weekend, this this very weekend, like literally after you've listened to this podcast, you're probably going to go watch this. On Sunday, December 2nd is Sci-Fi's new show, Night Flyers, which is based on the 1980 George R.R. Martin, yes, the guy who wrote Game of Thrones, novella of the same name. It's coming to Sci-Fi. Now, full disclosure, I've read the novella and I've seen the debut episode and I think it's really good. I have not seen six or seven episodes in. I've seen the first one, and I and I like it. No, Sci-Fi is not paying me to talk about this show. But I have had the pleasure of meeting and talking with the cast. In fact, I hosted the debut panel of the show at San Diego Comic-Con this year. And I'll put the link in the show notes to that because it was a lot of fun. And while I was at San Diego Comic-Con, I asked one of the stars of the show, the actor who plays the captain, David Ajala, who also happens to currently be playing Manchester Black on Supergirl this season if I could talk to him more about his role and just about what he does so coming up after the break not only did we talk David was apparently very hungry after a long day of shooting so the sound you are going to hear is going to be of him cooking and banging around the kitchen while we're having this conversation so up next after this break will be my interview slash cooking show with actor David Ajala do you run a hosted website on WordPress or is your site really slow? Have you gotten hacked in the past and you just didn't know what to do? Well, if so, you need SiteGround. Now I am a SiteGround affiliate. I'm also a customer. In fact, I switched the blurredgirl.com over to them and never looked back. In fact, I've put other people onto them for two reasons, for liability and customer service. You can try it yourself at siteground.com slash go slash the girl. That's siteground.com slash go slash the girl. Now, unlike some other hosting sites that have a really great affiliate program and seem to be really popular, many of them don't have customer service. SiteGround has great customer service. They don't talk to you like an idiot. If you can't find something, they'll help you work through it. They have a really easy control panel and SiteGround is really the truth. You can start hosting your site today for as low as $3.95 a month. You can run a store, a blog, anything really. And they can even move your whole existing site over for you from another hosting service. And you don't have to worry about a bunch of code and stuff. So if you've been blogging or running a website for a while now, it's time to take your site and its security seriously and move up to SiteGround. Sign up today at SiteGround.com. That's S-I-T-E. G-R-O-U-N-D dot com slash The Blurred Girl. You 
been doing an amazing job um, on Supergirl as Manchester Black, but you were not born in Manchester. Were you born in, were you born in London? Where were you born? Nigeria. <laughs> and then did you go up there? Did your parents go up there? The born and raised um, London, England. Okay. Um, my parents moved from Nigeria to London in the 70s. And so I have six kids. Six kids. And, um, oh my they god! They had a dream, which was to provide for their children and to give them all the things that they never had. You know, so that was where it all started. And um, you know, then was birthed my four brothers and junior sister. Six of us. Oh my god! Yeah, my sister's the youngest. Wait, wait. She's the only girl. The only. She's only one girl. I can totally relate to that. Really? Yeah. I mean, not being the youngest, but being the only girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow! How many brothers do you have? I have two brothers. They're twins. Yeah, they're twins, and they drive oh, me crazy. Wow. Yeah, they drive are me they nuts. Old, no, they are younger, and it is my job to hate everything well, they do. You're the big sister. Yep, yep. In fact, one of them is getting married, and, and it's like my, he asked me once, like, "Is it? Do you, will you like any girlfriend I bring you?" And I'm like, "No, it's my job." <laughs> oh, jeez, pressure. In fact, he just got yes, married, sir. and um, he was asking me if I liked his fiance, oh, and I told him irrelevant. <laughs> it is. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if I like her or not. It doesn't matter if he likes her. You had the cheek to give that up, so not even the cheek, the audacity. No, I didn't say it to her. Irrelevant. <laughs> I didn't say it to her. That's so diplomatic, though. I didn't say it to her. I said it to him. Hey, look, Karma, I just want you to know I'm going to look after your younger brother. You know, we love each other, and um, I hope you'll give us your blessings. But I just, I just want to know. You know, I'm only going to ask you once. <laughs> you don't have to answer ever again. But do you like me? <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> I didn't say it to her. I swear. I didn't. I just said it to him. I like Bless. her. She's a lovely well, person. She's lovely. She's lovely. She's lovely. So where are you in, in the group? Are you the oldest? The second oldest? I'm in the middle. So. Oh, you got away with everything. You got away with absolutely everything. Kind of. But then also... <laughs> got stuck in the middle with everything. I was always like the voice ah, of reasoning, you know, okay. to just um, keep things amicable between older siblings, younger siblings, mm -hmm. siblings and parents. But um, I, I do job. feel that, yeah, maybe myself, my younger brother and younger sister, we got away with a little bit more than my older three brothers. Just different generations. They were tired. They were exhausted. There you go. <laughs> They were exhausted by the time they got to you. But they were. I mean, when they started, they had beans. They were good to go, you know, high on the discipline, just on it, super on it. And then by the time I came along, young brother, younger sister, they, they were just relaxed. They yeah. were relaxed. A shout turned into a whisper. There you go. It was that bad. How much, how much age difference is it between you and your oldest brother? Uh, so, let me work this out. Mm, eight years. And then yeah, that's almost like a whole generation. Yeah, it does a bit. It does a bit. But then we're all quite close, and we all fortunately get on quite well with that's each good. other. That's um, good. Now, literally. now, when you're playing Manchester Black, now, did you have to figure out how to do a Manchester accent, or did you just do a regular London accent? Because us Americans are not going to know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not going to know the difference. So basically, um, when speaking with uh, Jessica and Robert, who are the showrunners, 
for um, on Supergirl. They just told me some of the origins of the character of Manchester Black and where they wanted to take the story. I may have spent some time in London, but he is from Manchester, so I kind of familiarised myself with the accent. I've spent some time in Manchester, and I have a few friends who are from Manchester, so that really helps just in terms of getting a feel for the accent. It's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm a, well, a, a Mancunian anti-hero. Yeah. In the in the in the arrow world, yeah, it's mad madness, As, madness. Especially in this last episode, Kara's talking to him, and I'm like, "Girl, he's lying, he's lying. Don't listen oh to him. <laughs> Do not listen to him." And you just, oh my god, you tore everybody up in that episode. And it was there were so many different ways and and parts of the universe that could have gone with him. Yeah. And but they really, uh, you did a great job. With yeah. It. But it, there's so many different ways you could have played that. So, so many different avenues and angles. Like, I went onto Twitter and, oh, man. The- <laughs> <laughs> they tore you up. I know they People tore you are up. People invested in this show. Yes, they are. The abuse, like, I'm like, I hear stuff like Manchester, man. How could you do that? I was rooting for you, man. No, nah, man, you're cancelled. But I still love you. I love you, man. Because <laughs> you, know? you made Martian Manhunter cry. Come on, man. I know. <laughs> I know. I got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> they said Space Dad, they called him. Yeah. I'm like, don't mind him. You heard let him let him man up. You heard Space Dad, yes. That was and it was really dark. I'm telling you. But you you pulled it off. You did a really, really good job. Um, Bless you, my dear. You because even in the um duplicitousness he had to show some type of emotion even when he was faking it. And I really think, you know, that came through. Right, but right. I can tell with Kara, like it, that scene where she gives you that device that's like her superhero multivitamin. It's just like, here, hold this. Yes. Well <laughs> I was, remembered. I was, like, well remembered. I was like, girl, don't give him that. He's going to mess with it. The moment she handed, the moment she handed you, it to honestly, you. Honestly, could you tell from that moment? Yes, that... the moment she handed it to you. I was like, girl, you done. You're done. You're done. Because it's like giving a grown man your wallet. No. No. This is why there's no black women on this show. Because we were not, we are not giving you, handing you my stuff so you can tear me oh, that's up. That's hilarious. No. Absolutely not. Now, I'm also a Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were in Doctor Who. I was indeed. You, you were uh, veteran Who 2008. Ten years ago. Yes. So that's you, that's crazy. It is. Ten years ago. It is. Now, that's what do you wild. what do you think of the current iteration of Doctor Who? What do you think of you know another brother? I don't think he's from London. <laughs> being on the show, even as a companion. Awesome, awesome. I mean, uh, I've always been up for the Doctor being a woman, and not not just a woman, but a talented woman like mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker. It's 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 really cool. And then you look at her companions, and it just her and then the three companions, you look at them and they just reflect the world that I'm familiar with seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so to see that up on this TV screen is really exciting. It's it so is. Cool. And and Jody started in British TV, which a lot of us Americans here are not familiar with. She, she was on Broadchurch. She was also in movies like Attack the Block. Is that the same um, for you? Uh, did you yeah. also start in British television? Or was it always movies for you? Did you get your start only in movies? I think for myself, it, it was movies. I mean, there was a couple of um, British films that I did. Uh, one, namely, the first one I did was Kid Hood. 
And then um, after that, I went from doing Kid Hoods to doing uh, Working on the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. And that's and it's such an odd. That's an amazing movie to say. Hey, that's my second movie. Was you know Dark Knight Heath Ledger, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, in all honesty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's bit. kind of amazing. But there I am working on on that movie and just um just pre- being in the present moment and just being so thankful for working on something so special. And um, I, I, I've never really had uh, uh, oh what, what was David Ajala's breakout role. I don't think I've ever had a breakout role. I've always just kind of been plugging away. But I tell you what, no matter where I go in the world, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight is the one movie I get recognized for consistently the most. And I was only in it for like two minutes. Yeah, but see, I think it's because it's such a classic and people watch it over and over and over again. So they know yeah, all the that, scenes. That makes sense, you they know, know all that, the that scenes. They know sense. you. Yeah. Now, what are movies or comic books or TV shows that affected you like that? What are ones that you watched over and over and over again because you just love them? There was just something about them that drew you to them. Uh, so definitely, let me think, movies-wise, um, oh, there's a few, you know. My kind of childhood is shaped around The Goonies, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. Karate Kid, mm-hmm. Coming to America. Coming to like wait, that's, coming to America. <laughs> wait a minute. Coming to America, one hundred percent. My mom and dad love Eddie Murphy. Oh my god! And, um, oh my yeah, god! Oh, they love coming to America. Okay, wait, wait. But the thing about coming to America is that it's not accurately representing Africans. No. And you're African. Yes. <laughs> you see the problem with this, right? Know, you see right? the problem. But you know, and I know even saying this, that may sound so sacrilegious, and I know I'm going to upset a lot of people thinking, how dare your parents love this film and, and put you on to watching this film at such an early age? But Did they just find it silly? Is that what it was? I think it's because maybe at that time, we're talking uh, mid-80s, early 80s maybe, yeah. There weren't that many movies depicting African royalty, mm. and then having someone like Eddie Murphy, who's a global star, yeah, as the lead in the film. You know, mm-hmm. and look, James Earl Jones, huge, yeah. So yeah. For, for for them, it was a massive, massive deal, yeah. And um, I mean, look, I can still watch that film now, still enjoy it. I've seen it many times. Yeah. I've also seen The Goonies many times. I've seen Karate <laughs> Kid you can quote many it. times. And then most, most recently, Black Panther. And now, isn't it interesting how, like, in the 80s, you've had to wait, since the 80s, you've had to wait till 2018 to see another African king represented on screen. Right, right. Isn't that, right, isn't right. that weird? Right, right. With a more aspirational representation of Africa. What was your favorite scene? What was what was your feeling seeing the movie? I well, first and foremost, I I was so excited to be in the movie theater with so many people in uh, England getting to watch it for the first time. It was at the premiere, and then I remember like the opening credits and and then you know the the, the f- first opening scenes of the movie before the credits, and then just watching it and just feeling so excited so proud and um it it just made me aware of how important it is to have accurate representation on the screen yeah and you know what did it for me when they first flew into wakanda 
when they first oh. flew through those trees and everything. Yes, um, come on. I was tripping when I heard the talking oh. drum. It's actually a talking drum. And I remember grabbing, oh, right. I remember is, grabbing the person next to me going, I think they're saying his name. That do do do. I think that was T'Challa. Like, I think it was his name. And then later I did research. Mm-hmm. And I was able oh, to no. go and talk to people who worked oh, on the film. Me? Yeah, no, I'm totally are you serious. Me? And it, it <laughs> is a talking drum of his name. And just it was just so fantastic. And even talking to the uh costume designer, Ruth Carter, she was amazing too because she broke down like <laughs> all these people, the mm-hmm. teams that she was working with, she kept having to, she said, beat the Lion King out of them. <laughs> because everybody yes, wanted true. everything to look like, you know, that was their only representation. Yeah, honestly, no, yeah. you have to. But, because but that was accurate. Like women, there's uh, a culture which spans like hundreds and maybe even thousands of years back. Yeah. But then also you have an Africa which is so independent and which is so um, in tune with technology. In fact, they've, they've trans- transcended where technology is in the present date, and they've taken it to new heights. So when you combine that with the culture and the aesthetics and essence of being African yeah. and having it on the TV screen with these great-looking, talented people, oh, man, yeah, I've, I've never felt so proud and so inspired, now, honestly. You do realize that you're part of that story, right? Like, you were in Black Panther, but... You are playing someone in the future in Night Flyers. You've been, you were in Jupiter Ascending. You are, I'll you're, happily take that. You're also, you know, even though he is an anti-hero, you know, Manchester Black, like you are an African superhero in space in many of your roles. So That's, you're in that. It is, I mean, just being reminded about that and hearing it from your voice, um, hearing it from you, sorry, is is kind of, Humbling. That's that's so awesome. When I was speaking with the showrunners about, you know, um, being part of Supergirl, they made it so important that they wanted this character to be someone real who is who just so happens to be a victim of unfortunate circumstances, but who maybe along the lines develops these powers. My character has the line. It was Manchester Black. He said the line yesterday when Supergirl said. How could you do this to me? Why would you betray me? And Manchester says, pain is a great motivator. I don't think anyone's born evil, but I think this is a guy who's just trying to seek justice and he's driven by vengeance. And I'm not okay in his actions, but I, I hope he goes from being a lost sheep to a found sheep. I hope he gets peace because he's... he's um. There's nothing like a man scorned. He's he's on a mission to get revenge. Yeah. And I mean, I hope, because in the comics, he does come full circle. So I hope they allow you to come back and do that. Um, because you're doing a great job. And because right now he's in the pain portion of his program. He's, he's riding mm. that out right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, in terms of Night Flyers, when did you finish shooting? Like, was it a while ago? Because I, I know you were so happy the show was finally oh, coming wow. out. We, we finished shooting... I think it was like the ninth of June this year. Oh, okay. That wasn't too far away. I thought you were going to say like a year ago. Yeah. Like a year ago and it was in post and everything oh, like that. Right. No, literally, this, the ninth of June this year, the ninth of June. Okay. And, so um, it was right before, yeah. I, right before I met you at San Diego Comic-Con then. 
you just wrapped night flares. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. So that's right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about for the people out there that don't know, tell us about night flares and what this show is about. Okay, so the Night Flies is a new science fiction show, which will be on the Sci-Fi Channel, and later on it'll be on Netflix. It's set in the year 2093. It's about a group of very talented, skilled scientists who um, blast off into space to make contact with an alien life form known as the Volcrin. Uh, this mission is like a... It's a really, really important mission. I think they've had to do this because they've got no choice because Earth is in such a bad state. The plan would be if they can make contact with the Vulcan, they'll be able to understand certain things that will contribute towards the self-preservation of humanity on Earth. So along this trip, like I said, we have eight scientists. We also have a telepath who is very gifted. The plan would be to use him. Yeah, but this, this telepath is not like Star Trek. This is not Deanna Troy's nice, sweet telepath. <laughs> this is something else. This is like um, a telepath that could easily be in The Shining. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's horror in space, baby. Yeah. It's horror in space. Yeah, that's exactly And of course, these guys have the best of intentions to fly out. But little do they know. People, that, um, people will die. <laughs> they're, they're gonna meet some drama before they even come anywhere close to the Vulcan. I read the novella, um, and then I actually saw the whole first episode. Yeah, what did you think? I thought it was amazing, but I the way it started and the way it was created, this is not going to be like the book. That's right. So it was interesting watching these scenes because. George likes killing people. Oh, yes, he does. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of bodies hit the floor in this show. Um, I was struck by the storyline and this motley crew of characters. It felt like a very ensemble crew. And it's definitely a thriller. There's definitely horror elements of it. But it's the epic scale in which it is shot is is so beautiful. Straight away. I'm just fascinated by the storyline and where we're going to go since it's different from the book. Now, of David, course. David, what is happening in this kitchen? What are you no, cooking? <laughs> your ears are sharp. I was literally taking out something from the oven. What are you um, eating? And then as I, as I closed it, I didn't realize it was so hot. So I just threw this thing down. I took out, like, it's a tempura prawn. Oh, I took my God. Out from the oven. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's very delicious. Okay, keep eating. <laughs> keep eating. Don't mind me. I'll continue. So anyway, what the thing that struck me about the show that I that I love. The first thing I saw when knowing who would I know about the book and knowing Melantha Jarl's character and Roy Ayres' character, which is your character, I was so excited mm-hmm. when I saw casting because then I was like, oh my God, we've got black people in space. We've got very far black people in space. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yo, you best believe there's going to be some chocolate in space. Chocolate in space. <laughs> That should be the name of the next episode. But yep. but at one point, the two of you are like literally the only thing I believe that can save this ship. So I find that fascinating. Yeah. Um, now, Captain, oh, my Captain, <laughs> um, your character is very interesting because he spends the majority of the show as a hologram. He's a hologram. Yeah. Really weird. <laughs> so what is that like? Like, how do you act or portray a character that can't touch anything. It's, you know, the thing is, when, when you first get the brief and 
you know, I've had a conversation with the guys behind, the creators behind the show. They would explain to me the, um, the ideas and the concept and what have you. And then they would explain to me, you know, the, the journey for Roy Ayres starts as a hologram. He introduces himself as a hologram to his work colleagues and to the scientists. So what I had to understand is why this guy chooses to present himself as a hologram. What is he hiding? And I allowed that to kind of, the understanding of that, I allowed that to shape and form my physicality. But in terms of being a hologram, it's not, I don't walk around and think, oh, I'm a hologram. I literally walk around and it's like, I'm hoping I can present myself well so that my crew will not only take me seriously, but they'll trust me on this journey which we're about to embark on. Actually, yeah. is he actually on the ship? Is is Roy physically oh, on the ship? Most certainly. Okay. He's not on like an outline <laughs> planet or something. That I can okay. that I can answer. Okay. He is on the ship. No, he's definitely it's a very weird sensation being on a ship. Can't touch anything. It's really, really, really disconcerting. I mean, he can't touch anything, but he can see everything. And he's a bit of a voyeur. There you have it. Yeah. Or perv. See, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say perv. <laughs> yeah. You said that. I didn't say that. I did not say perv. I have proof that wasn't me. Tomato, tomato. It, it was him. No, it's true. <laughs> He's creepy. You know? <laughs> Why does he take this crew on? Is this his ship? It's, well, it's his mother's ship. Okay. Well, it's his mother's ship, but... Originally, it's his mother's ship. But it, he now is in charge of the vessel. Like, why did he allow them to book passage? It doesn't sound like he cares about Earth. That's right. And he, he's the one that's been able to facilitate this to happen, because ordinarily, Carl DeBrannan, he has the idea and the vision to make contact with an alien um, celestial being, but no one really is backing his ideas. And when I say no one... It's the money people who have the power to make it happen. So Roy Ayres has come along and he's like, hey, look, I've got a ship. I'm interested in your idea. I think you're a talented guy. How about we journey together and I won't even charge you for using my ship. That's the deal. If he's physically on the ship, but he's a hologram, he doesn't really care about Earth. What is his, is there an alternative motive? I think for Roy Ayres, as selfish as it may seem, I think he's using this journey to um, do something monumental on a global level so that the world can see, which will allow him to forge his own identity and step out of the shadow of his mother. His mother was a very, very successful, powerful woman. So when we're talking about the Eris Corporation and the Eris brand and this ship, it's all a legacy left behind by his mother. It's Roy Ayres feels that now's his time to step out of the shadow and do something big. So that's why he decides to do it. So this mission is is so important to him. If if they pull it off, it will validate him. Now, Little Birdie told me that you got kind of emotional in one of the scenes that you recorded. Oh yeah! Oh geez! Yeah. <laughs> what was the scene and, and why? What happened? And the thing was, we 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 shot this scene. Let's say it's the second half of a day, and um, it, it was Gretchen who's in the scene, and Gretchen was feeling a bit anxious about it. And um, the director, Mark Tonderwright, who's just fantastic, he got all the actors together, six of us, to rewrite this scene, to okay. try something completely different, to trust in each other, to support each other. And then we ended up doing this scene, mm -hmm. and um, I won't spoil it, it's in the latter episodes, 
and I'm watching Gretchen and Angus and Miranda and oh man. Oh Lord. It was it was it was really special. It was that's all I can say. Now did you go off script? Like did was there no script and you just improv? It it was definitely scripted, but it's like I just found it so moving. It, oh Lord, it was so moving. What are you making besides these products? I'm hearing kitchens and ovens and dishes and all kinds of things. What are you cooking? <laughs> what are you cooking? Oh my God. You're making me hungry. You know, I mean, I wish I had something fancy to say. It's not even anything fancy. If I was speaking to you a couple of days ago, I could have said, well, I'm actually cooking some fried rice with salmon, planting, and there's an avocado on the side. That's what I would have said. Which was delicious. Absolutely yeah, but delicious. See, you're but now it's literally just tempura prawns. And then I was washing up a cup in the sink. That sounds so unfancy. <laughs> I, I wish I had more for no, you. I wish I had no, more no. No, you got to make it sound better. The, the mug has to be a, a ceramic dish that was given to you by your mother. <laughs> and, you need, you've, and you've been like, you know, you're sitting in your smoking jacket by the fire. And, you know, you are, <laughs> you've got a lot of podcasts to do, man. You got to bring this up. You got to bring up your love a little bit. You know, you have, okay. you have pounded this, this yam that I'm you saying. just pulled Look, out of the oven. <laughs> not that what I'm eating now, but in once I've um, finished speaking with you, I go upstairs to have a little shower. I'm going to come downstairs. I'm going to put some pounded yam. In there you go. The microwave with some with goosey. Goosey. Yes. So all my yes, Nigerians and yes, yes. Africans. <laughs> there you go. Come on. So that's what I'm that's gonna do. proper. Don't tell your mama that you put oh, that pounded yam in the microwave yo, either. Real talk. You in trouble. Real talk. <laughs> real talk. Because I'll be in trouble for that. That is definitely sacrilegious. You will. You put the yam and the goosey in the microwave. Ah, ah, damn Lola, what is wrong with you now? And you know when she called me by my Nigerian name? Not even David anymore. Uh -oh. Damn Lola, ah, ah. <laughs> damn Lola, see? And that's the thing with my mom. She's a very calm, you know, softly spoken lady. But when that woman gets angry or is annoyed, I'm telling you, the pits of Nigeria... <laughs> comes out of her mouth. The strength of it. <laughs> My mother's from Bermuda. Oh, there you go. And it's the same thing. It's like everybody says she's the sweetest woman, but don't make her mad. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. You wait till you get on the wrong side. And what is with our mothers with this ability to pick up any inanimate object anywhere near them and turn it into a weapon? Like, it should be an Olympic sport. 100%. It's like... <laughs> because my, my mom would be a triple gold medalist. My um, junior brother the other day, we were talking about just back in the day, being mischievous, and then my mom picking up a slipper and throwing it and catching it. And it's not even that she had the most strength. It's her level of accuracy. Oh, my God. Which is scary. Yes, yes. And then by the, time, by the time you figured out what hit you and turned around, the shoe was back on her foot. On <laughs> Wow. And my mother had the ability to take off her shoe while mm -hmm. driving, hit all three of us in the back seat, and and never stop driving. <laughs> it was insane. You see, that, that's the next how? level stuff. We never knew how. Is, I was talking we about never the knew how we were getting hit. You never caught it. My mom picking up, taking the slip off her foot and, and throwing it. 
You're talking about driving and using the slipper <laughs> to discipline three kids at the same time while still driving and probably still smiling. That's that's some next level multitasking. Yes. Boom. <laughs> yes, she made it to the semifinals. Okay, so for Night Flyers, have you guys shot the entire season? Yeah. Okay. In the can. Okay. So what is the one thing that you want people that are going to start watching the show next week to take away from Night Flyers? First and foremost, anyone who is a science fiction fan or fan of horror or both, I would want them to watch a show like this because not only is it a wonderful, really interesting and provocative TV show, for fans of different genres and for many, many movies in the science fiction genre, there are going to be so many little Easter eggs and touchstones of hugely popular movies. Off the top of my head, I can think of five that we reference when we see. Oh, okay. What five? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, The Shining, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, um, Terminator, uh, It... Um, mm, that's Alien. Good. Okay. And I won't say the rest without spoiling it. There's, there's a few. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say Event Horizon, but with like, I don't know, a better ending. <laughs> yeah. Event Horizon as well. Definitely. I mean, Event Horizon in that, um, in the way it was shot, in the hallways almost felt claustrophobic like that movie. That's right. And that's I, right. I remember you saying that you shot a lot of this Practically, I mean, aside from the screens and things like that, you shot a lot of this oh, practically, right? They, they spent a lot of money on this show. And one of the primary, primary, um, primary reasons, sorry, even why they spent so much money is because they wanted to make sure that they weren't going to use a lot of CGI. They wanted to build as much as possible. So we ended up having like- it's a lot of practical. Almost to scale life-size mm-hmm. versions of the ship. Wow. Parts of it, like the central command and, mm-hmm. and the corridors. And a lot of it was built to scale. It was massive. We had we filmed in two different stages. Wow. I lost count how many times I got lost on set. Oh no. It's ridiculous because <laughs> oh, it's huge. It's huge. I, I, I said it, if we go back, if we're blessed to do a season two, I think we should all be given little maps <laughs> to find our way around. Or at least like little <laughs> little GPS tracking devices so that you guys can find each other. My God. Exactly. <laughs> and where were these stages located? Where in Europe? In Ireland. Oh. Limerick. Okay. Of all places. Okay. I mean, George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones films in Belfast, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's like a uh, five hour drive from where we were shooting mm-hmm. so um maybe it just made sense that since we're doing another george uh martin tv show we'll shoot it where they shoot his current tv show game of thrones yes i know you've worked on shows and movies with a lot of green screen and things like that it must be easier for you to stay in character when everything is right there uh practically for you as opposed to, of course, you know, acting to a green screen or acting to a ball in the air or something like that. 100%. Oh, it's, it's so helpful because it's it's all there. You don't have to imagine it. I mean, look, there were some things that we had to kind of, you know, to imagine that, okay, this thing is chasing you or this thing is going to explode. But for the most part, which is probably 90%, I would say, mm-hmm. 
was all practical stuff. Okay. 10% CGI. It, it makes a massive difference in terms of performance. Yes, And for the end product. I see. Once it's filmed and aired on TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And can I just say that your DP, your director, director of photography, should win an award because... All of a lot of science fiction shows like this that are on ships are shot very dark, especially stuff that genre, especially stuff that is is horror. It's all shot very dark. But you and Jody yes. looked amazing. You both, your skin tones and everything looked amazing. And I honestly, need this man or whoever honestly, this is to teach a class. Honestly, teach a class. We, no, teach honestly, other people. You know, you know, you, the thing is, I'm so happy you mentioned that. Because Jodie Turner-Smith, who plays Melantho, you know, she's my kindred spirit on the show. And we made sure when speaking to the DOP, um, the different DOPs, that that was very important. That they made sure that our chocolate skin was shining good. Yo, my, my mom's watching this show. My dad's watching this show. I need to make sure that they, they can see me shining good, you know? They've done a fantastic job. Your mother would be very proud. You're very well moisturized. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you a more specific question about the show, but you probably can't answer it. Try me. Okay. Um, what was one of your favorite episodes to shoot this season? Um, one of. Yep. Oh man. What well, do you know? In fact, episode three and four. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, those... No elaboration, no no information, just... <laughs> those, those episodes... I'll tell you, episode three, what was so cool about that is it's always a joy when a character can shock the audience. Okay. To shock the audience and to shock the other characters in the scene. Okay. When you simultaneously have the two things happening, it's just there's something really special about that. Okay, okay, um, so we have to look out for that. In episode four, mm-hmm. I believe is when we really start to see Roy Harris unraveling. Really? Falling apart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll have to check those two out. So, now, George R.R. R. Martin stays killing characters off in general. <laughs> so, um, did you go to script readings and, like, sit there and, like, flip to the back of the script to make sure you were still on the show? 100%. <laughs> It was the most like every episode actory thing I've ever done. <laughs> you just literally go through it just to make sure. Well, am I still here? I'm still here. I'm still here. And then you read the character's last line, <laughs> and as long as they're talking, so that and not gurgling oh, or, or dying or falling or exactly, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, that's a stressful no, it's, table it's, read. Oh, stress, <laughs> pressure. Because you're just watching to see and then just hoping, and then it's always like when you're reading it and then you see a character you read that a character gets executed it's oh it's just sad <laughs> right sad. And, but then you're inside you're happy because you're not the character that died of course i am i'm smiling <laughs> now as i'm telling you this story <laughs> i'm smiling eating my tempura prawn there you go <laughs> <laughs> speaking of um uh, character deaths in the show what this show has been very bold with is um like, if, if a character gets taken out and is killed, but you don't try and do this slightly contrived way of bringing the character back in, that is it. Character is done. 
Go on. Okay, so not showing up in a dream sequence or in a memory or something. <laughs> in a dream within the dream. <laughs> no. Just out the airlock. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> That 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 in in an airlock. That is which is in the abyss. That is that gone. That is yeah. pretty pretty dramatic. That's what's scary. <laughs> One in the sense that what's been really cool working on the show is um definitely is very much so an ensemble piece, and um our showrunner Jeff Bueller mm-hmm. is just a wonderful guy to work with. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. I love his passion, his enthusiasm. He's so excited. Um, when I met him at San Diego, he was like that. Oh, he's great. Oh, and that, and that's just Jeff. He's not like switching anything on. Mm-hmm. That is <laughs> that is just Jeff, just a lovely, really cool guy who's just a fan of, you know, science fiction and comic books and horror. Yeah, yeah. No, when I met and... him, I was like, okay, so your baseline is just happy. This is just where you live. <laughs> it is. And so easy to work with. Um, it did definitely feel quite collaborative. Actually, Jeff told me that the entire novella is the entire first season. So I, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to get a second season out of it. Like, I'm I'm wrapping... Yeah. I'm really trying to wrap my brain around how they're going to make it happen. But he, oh, he's smart. Yeah. Because I, I know the way the episode... I know the way episode 10 ends. And it, it's... Jeff is very clever. Because the, the way episode 10 ends, it opens up something else. So the night of the premiere, are you going to like live tweet and everything so that, you know, and, and and play along with the fans and see it as they see it? Um, what do you think I should do? Because, I mean, with Supergirl, I, I was meant to live tweet the first episodes, but I didn't, I didn't really, I kind of got shy. Chickened out. <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, made, I made it with um, Nightflies. I, I made it with Nightflies. Do you think I should? I think you're going to do what Captain Roy Harris would do and be a voyeur. <laughs> you're going to be like a perv and just watch everybody else. Of course, see? again. See? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm I'm going to tweet at you. Like, I'm going to do my best to make you comment, but I know you're just going to watch. You know, it, it, you, you may just make that happen. I'm going to try. You may just make that happen. <laughs> But just, just know, if I don't respond, I will be there. Yep. In the spirit of Roy Harris, watching. Watching, like a hologram. I'll be there. Like a pervy hologram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me, David. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so it. welcome. <laughs> Did you enjoy your uh, your prawns and your, and your mug of tea they, and they your were. wine? No, they were. And <laughs> see, the thing is, I think there may have been some alcohol in those simple prawns because <laughs> oh, no. it's like... <laughs> and obviously, because as, as I'm walking and, and talking to you, I can just feel my words slurring a little, and then, and, and even while I'm walking, oh, no, no. I, I know it sounds wild. I think there's some rum in them tempura prawns. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with rum. Yeah, but at um, all. <laughs> maybe it was the wine. Well, maybe it's the yeah, wine you drank. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> I swear you're gonna lie down. I'm trying to lie down right now. I'm trying to find this a goosey. Because yeah, I'm a little off of these temporal prawns of white. So I need to just sober my ass up. Yo, when I come to England, I need to find this restaurant that has these prawns soaked in rum. This sounds look, amazing. When you're here, you holler. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm in the country, then you'll be here. And I'll make these temporal prawns for you. Without the I alcohol. I am taking you up. Without the alcohol. Uh, wait, no, no, no. There needs to be alcohol. Okay, with the alcohol. I with am... the alcohol. <laughs> 
I am taking you up on that. Thank you so much, David. You're so welcome. I told you he was eating, right? I best believe if I go to England, I'm gonna look him up and I'm gonna find those prawns. Those prawns that made him drunk. <laughs> anyway, I promised, I promised he was fine when I hung up with him. He really was. Don't forget to check out Night Flyers, starring David Ajala, Gretchen Maul, uh, Jody Turner-Smith, and the rest of the fabulous cast on the show's premiere this Sunday, December 2nd at 10 p.m. on Sci-Fi. You can watch it ahead of time. If you can't sit down at 10 p.m. and watch it then, you can also stream it online at sci-fi.com. But I'm going to probably be live tweeting at 10 because I want to see if we can get David to say anything. So thanks for listening, and please don't forget to comment and subscribe and check out my podcast sponsor, Audible, at audibletrial.com slash theblurgirl. Thanks, guys. See you next time.